Good morning, everyone. On the line with us is the Southeast Alaska Conservation Council with Inside Passage Program Manager Aaron Brakel with us today. Good morning. Good morning. Now, I understand that a bill seeking to overhaul environmental regulation of cruise ships passed the Senate Resources Committee late last month. It's also my understanding that it repeals the Ocean Rangers program. Before we get into that, tell us about this program. What's its function? So the Ocean Rangers program was created through an Alaska uh, ballot initiative that that we voted for uh, statewide um, to institute onboard um, uh, trained uh, monitors, um, uh, uh, environmental engineers, and uh, other trained staff to uh, report what was happening on board the cruise ships, discharges and, and other uh, safety or uh, waste incidents. And what would be the impact of repealing the program, would you say? Well, it's tremendously helpful uh, to have uh, Alaska uh, watchdogs on board. And what the program has done is it's led to significant improvements in the cruise ship self-reporting of, of, of discharges. And uh, just having, having oversight, um, it, it, keeps, uh, it, it keeps the, uh, the industry a little bit you know, closer to towing the line uh, of, of the law on discharges. And during that resources committee, it was proposed to rather scale it back than to eliminate it. What, what did you think of that? Well, so what's happened at this point is uh, in 2019, uh, Governor Dunleavy, uh, through his request, the program was defunded. And unfortunately, in 2020 um, and 2021, well, there wasn't really a cruise season in 20, um, but in, 2000, in 2021, uh, we did not have the Ocean Rangers aboard ship. Um, and uh, uh, the goal would be to restore the program, restore the staffing. Um, I know that uh, there was there was an, a, an amendment suggested to um, so that ocean rangers wouldn't be aboard every single vessel, every single um, uh, sailing, um, and uh, you know that's something that could be looked at. Uh, but it's certainly their presence on board uh, is definitely a benefit to the protection of the waters uh, of Southeast Alaska. Now, I understand the plan would be to shift it to direct oversight to the state. I believe it would be through the Department of Environmental Conservation. Yes. So that's um, the Division of Water um, has, has staffing, and they have a program to monitor cruise ships. But what they don't do is um, ride uh, along uh, on board those cruise ships regularly. Uh, they, they, they now... Um, meet the cruise ships, do a, a, an import inspection on the first couple weeks of each ship visiting um, and, and do a single ride-along, um, but that really doesn't cover the uh, tremendous number of transits um, and, and time uh, that the cruise ships spend. And there are serious concerns in the community about the discharges of those vessels. And uh, statewide, we have voted to have um, people on board. To, to keep track and uh, to keep them uh, doing their job um, in uh, uh, 
discharging uh, appropriately uh, and and not inappropriately. And so in regards to the community concerns, I saw that there was a lot of public testimony on this matter. What was your reaction? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I... I uh, I, I, I side with the people who are deeply concerned. The industry has a long history, shipping generally, and the cruise industry has a long history of unfortunate and, and uh, frequently illegal activities. Uh, Carnival Cruises has just uh, been through another uh, period of federal probation for felony discharge violations. The industry has a history of uh, using uh, magic pipes, uh, and and uh, ferry logbooks to illegally um, discharge and and falsify records of discharges and and um, you know there's a there's the old saying trust but verify well in this situation uh, trust is broken um, and verification needs to happen that they're not discharging inappropriately. So for SEAC, what advocacy efforts are underway for SB 180? Well, we've uh, uh, we've encouraged our, our supporters to contact um, the their legislators. Uh, there was uh, uh, a couple of different petitions uh, by commercial fishing folks, and um, uh, um, I think uh, President Jackson of of, uh, uh, of Cake um, encouraging support for uh, retaining the the ocean rangers program um so we let folks know about those and uh certainly attending and 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 commenting where available um on uh um the legislative hearings so to zoom out a little bit aaron what more needs to be done to monitor the cruises do you think well over time um there is uh you know, electronic monitoring that that can happen. Um, certainly, that 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 would uh, uh, you know, if there are requirements that all of their discharges be monitored, uh, we still wouldn't know the quality of the discharges if they had uh, flow meters, et cetera, on board. Um, but if they if it was not legal for them to discharge in a without uh, notifying, then we could have uh, vessel tracks with the with the discharges so that people would be able to reference. Uh, problems that they're seeing with uh, particular vessels, um, and uh, yeah, so those, those those are some things that we could see improvements in. And after 2020 saw no cruise ships, what did that do to our waters compared to their full operation? I'm not sure that the science is in. Um, I think that the state has done some monitoring of that, uh, but I don't know that there's been adequate um, baseline uh, and 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 port and um, you know monitoring of of the of the transit areas to really be able to to know at this point. So I'm not sure that information is in that ha- of, of the studies that have been done. Okay. And I wanted to take a moment. Could you highlight the importance of uh, keeping cruises accountable on wastewater dumping? Well, as I said before, it's an industry with um, uh, multiple felonies, um, multiple 
cruise companies have, have uh, run up against the law inappropriately. Um, and uh, in order to, uh, you know, hold them to account for uh, what they're responsible for doing, we definitely need people on board the ships. And that's what the Ocean Ranger program did. And, and that's what we wanted to, to continue to do or so, to be restored and do again. Very good. And we talk about wastewater, but I understand there's different types of wastewater. Could you take us through those? Yeah. So there's uh, gray water treated wastewater. Um, so treated sewage uh, discharges, and also important issue is the is the uh, the stack scrubber discharges. Um, in in order to reduce the um, emissions out of the stack, they they use uh, a technology that involves spraying seawater, um, and uh, the uh, the pollutants in in the stack then is collected in that seawater. And, and unfortunately most of these ships have open loop systems and the scrubber emissions uh, then discharge directly to our ocean waters. So it's uh, it's more acid water and um, can include other pollutants, including uh, black carbon. There's been oily sheens spotted uh, during these discharges. So yeah, they continue to be, significant concerns about those and and we believe that instead of uh scrubbers the industry should should be using a higher grade of marine fuel oil um that would uh, allow the uh um that, that wouldn't require the use of these scrubbers to reduce emissions problems and where do we know this is being dumped? Um, well, the the scrubber emissions can be dumped um, at at any time. Uh, I think generally they tend to prefer to do that while underway, but uh, the scrubber emissions can can also be um, dumped while in port. They can be discharged while in port. The wash water. And as for the gray and black water, um, those uh, there those can be dumped in uh, in inside waters, but only within um, uh, certain parts of those can only be dumped within uh, the so-called donut holes, um, which are federal waters uh, outside of two miles from the uh, the coastline. Uh, there are large enough areas within inside waters that uh, that can happen in, in Icy Strait and Fredericktown, for instance. So what efforts would you be hearing then to address cruise dumping at a federal level? So my understanding is that the exhaust gas cleaning system uh, regulations are expected to be finalized at the end of this year. Okay. Is there anything you'd like to add before we cut to a break and talk to your colleague? No, I don't think so. All right. Thank well, you, Kevin. Well, thank you, Aaron. We'll be back with SIAC after the break. Stay tuned. We're back with members of SIAC, the Southeast Alaska Conservation Council, Indigenous Engagement Lead Heather 
Evoy is here to tell us about the organization's plans to travel in person to communities here in the region. Heather, what spurred the travel? Uh, you know, I think just um, safety, um, you know, concerns, um, of being able to um, safely gather, uh, you know, due to, to COVID concerns. We haven't been able to do that for the past two years, uh, similar to everybody else. And um, I think it was just really uh, an intentional effort to get back out there. You know, that's a big part of what we do is that being um, the grassroots um, organization that we are is being able to get back out into communities throughout the region um, and talk to people and hear people's concerns and and, uh, be able to be responsive. Now, you've all already went to Ketchikan and Prince of Wales. What have you been hearing during the public sessions there? Yeah, we did. I actually uh, just got back from Prince of Wales last night. Um, you know, it's really interesting. We we didn't really necessarily have an agenda. We just kind of wanted to have listening sessions and, and hear, um, you know, some of the great work that folks are already doing and ways that we can support um, and so we had a coffee and conversations in, in Ketchikan, and uh, one of the things that was pretty interesting that came out of both that and our town hall listening session um, was really in Ketchikan, uh, the, the housing crisis and, you know, the need to really want to look towards uh, finding solutions and um, working with other organizations to try and um, create solutions to the um, housing uh, shortage that we're seeing, and then also food security. Um, and there are some really wonderful um, projects that are happening in Ketchikan around um, community gardening and um, looking towards having like a community food pantry type thing. Um, just some some really really cool stuff. Uh, wanting to to close the loop. Um, I think you know, not to <clears throat> mention the pandemic again, but I think it really highlighted for a lot of. Um, a lot of individuals, you know, just what what can happen if, um, you know, barges stop coming or are delayed um, and how, um, you know, I think folks in Ketchikan shared that there were a number of times they went to the grocery store and shelves were empty. And um, so, yeah. Well, very good. And with these travels, you have your climate organizer joining as well. What is the focus on the talks relating to climate? We do, yeah. Matt Jackson, he's based out of Sitka, um, and he he joined me in Ketchikan and in Prince of Wales, and really just looking towards, like I said, not really having an agenda, just kind of asking folks, you know, um, different, maybe like different threats that they see from from changing climate uh, in their region, and then also, um, you know, wanting to look towards opportunities and ways to mitigate um, climate change impacts in our region. So, um, yeah, another another part of what we did in these meeting in the town halls, in particular, um, we created some maps that. Uh, Really, we just took Forest Service data um, that was available, and we um, created very defined um, areas where there are old growth, as well as um, the two varieties of young growth, um, and then overlaid that with 
um, LUDs, which are land use uh, designations. And we're trying to um, had had them up, and we're trying to get people to interact with them and share, you know, um, just different ways that they utilize uh, areas throughout the Tongass. <clears throat> and you had your forest program manager on that. We did. We had so uh, Miranda Hahn is um, our new forest program manager, and so she she did not join us for the Ketchikan trip. Um, but she was with us for the Prince of Wales trip. But we did have uh, Katie Rooks, who's our environmental, oh goodness, I think she's our environmental policy analyst. I'm awful with titles, sorry. Um, and so she joined us, in uh, Matt and, and myself, in Ketchikan um, and, you know, kind of helped to talk through some of the some of the processes, um, you know, just like I said, with, mentioned with the, the land use designations and, um, you know, the different cla- class varieties of um, second growth trees and, and whatnot. And so what was the feedback during that that struck out to you? Um, you know, I think for me as the, you know, um, as, as an Indigenous person and being born and raised here in Southeast, I think um, really the... Um, the cultural uses of, the, you know, the way that folks <clears throat> utilize um, the land in, in regards to, um, you know, going back to some of the, you know, traditional food um, harvesting practices or um, utilizing um, the forest for cedar bark harvesting or, you know, gathering spruce roots and things like that. Um, you know, th- those are the areas that I'm, I'm really interested in, in learning about how people... Uh, utilize different parts of our region. So, where to next? Well, in, in Juneau, we'll be at Maritime Festival, so I uh, hope to see people out on Saturday. Um, we'll be tabling there, and then uh, uh, our next trip is uh, is for Little Norway, and I'm really looking forward to getting down to Petersburg. That's, that's where my mom is from. And Heather, you spoke a little bit to what it's been like to come back in person, no more virtual events. How how has that been? Oh, it has been wonderful, let me tell you. Um, you know, it just, it's been so hard to do outreach and, and uh, connect with folks from behind a computer screen these past two years. So it just is so wonderful to gather and, and, and meet with people in person and, um, yeah, just, just connect with community. It's wonderful. And if listeners want to join in, they've got the Maritime Festival here in Juneau, but if they need more details, where could they go? Uh, our, uh, you can follow us on social media um, or our website. Uh, it's just siak.org. And I also have to uh, pitch that we do have uh, our bonfire coming up. We have once a month uh, bonfires in Juneau during the summertime. And uh, the first one is kicking off Thursday the 19th, and I believe, uh, Aaron, help me out, is this one at Auk? Or no, this one's at Skater's uh, Cabin. I apologize. Yeah, this, this one's at Skater's uh, Cabin. Uh, Six to eight. Uh, I'll be in Petersburg, so uh, I'll look forward to uh, folks that will get me a chance to, to um, talk with, with other SEAC uh, um, uh, supporters and, and staff there at the, at the bonfires. 
We will also be at the state at the state fair um, at Blueberry Fest in Ketchikan, and uh, look forward to to seeing people out and about this this summer. Well, is there anything either of you'd like to add? Thank you, uh, Kevin. Perhaps. Thank you, Kevin, for having us on today. We appreciate all the work that people around Southeast Alaska do to protect the ecology and the environment and uh, to uh, encourage uh, to work on uh, state and federal agencies to uh, improve practices throughout Southeast. And Heather, I'll give you a moment you wanted to jump into. Oh, I just wanted to say good night, and Deutsch, and thanks for having us on, Kevin. Oh, well, thank you both.